The elections are just a week away, and much attention is being focused on the battle for the House of Representatives. While Democrats face a steep challenge picking up the 30 seats they would need to swing control of the chamber, they're expected to inflict some heavy losses on Republicans, and that could complicate Speaker Paul Ryan's already formidable task of managing the fractious Republican conference in the 115th Congress. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by Roll Call Elections Editor Nathan Gonzalez and by House Leadership Reporter Lindsay McPherson. So, Nathan, your team has written a lot about the tough electoral map facing Republicans. How many seats could Republicans conceivably lose? Yeah, the map starts as uh, Republicans are on the defensive because they hold as many seats as they've held in over 80 years. So virtually all of the uh, competitive seats are on the Republican side. We have 40 on our list right now. 33 of those are currently held by Republicans. Only seven look like our Democratic vulnerabilities. So that's the good news for Democrats. Uh, The other piece of good news was that Donald Trump is the nominee for president, and he is getting uh, crushed in some districts, particularly suburban districts. I'm talking about Virginia's 10th district with Barbara Comstock, Kansas' 3rd district where Kevin Yoder is the congressman, Eric Paulson in Minnesota's 3rd district. Trump is is getting destroyed there by Hillary Clinton, and Democrats are are hoping that Trump drags down those incumbents. And he and he may well do that. But the difficulty for Democrats is that Trump is actually overperforming in some districts. In upstate New York, he's doing better than what Mitt Romney did in 2012. In a place like rural Michigan, hmm. where Republicans are defending an open seat, Trump is doing well there. And so. It's mixed news for Democrats, and mixed news is not is bad news because Democrats need to almost run the table to get the thirty, gain the thirty that they need for control of the House. And you make a good point that for Republicans, this isn't just the Trump effect. Some of this is self-inflicted wounds. Right. You have a certain number of some congressmen. Uh, we won't mention New Jersey Congressman Scott Garrett by name, who <laughs> has kind of created his own difficult race. So he was. Uh, There have been media reports this last year about how he was upset with the NRCC because they contributed uh, to gay candidates. And that meant that some of his previous donors, particularly in the finance industry, stopped giving to him. It allowed his Democratic opponent, Josh Gottheimer, to raise considerable money, kind of to nationalize the race. And Scott Garrett, if he's in a neck-and-neck race, that's probably the best scenario for him. Or someone like uh, John Micah in Florida. We don't need to mention him by name. Mm-hmm. But the Republican congressman hasn't had a serious race in, in a number of years, has a slightly redistricted, some new territory, right. uh, but also hasn't run a um, run the best campaign. And so – and he's allowed himself to be vulnerable to uh, Democrat, the, the Democratic challenger, Stephanie Murphy, there. So it's it's partially the map. It's partially – you know, stepping in it uh, as, a, as an incumbent like a Lee Terry did last cycle. Mm-hmm. And uh, but overall, it's tough to see Democrats getting the 30. I, you know, I could, our official range now is 8 to 15. I could see maybe 20, but those last 10 are, are awfully hard. Now, of course, uh, the news has, has been a buzz with the disclosure by FBI Director James Comey of new emails that have come to light that could be relevant to the Hillary Clinton server investigation. Does, does that really trickle down to a race like this this late, or what do you think? Well, the, the short answer is we have to wait and see. Uh, I've changed over the course of the cycle. At, at the beginning of the cycle, I think many of us 
treated everything as like it was a game changer. You know, Donald Trump insults John McCain, it's over. That clear, and really, that ended up being a hiccup uh, in in the race. And so now I'm at the point where let's wait to see what the data shows. What does the polling show uh, in terms of its impact on the race? Now that news hits at a challenging time in the cycle because. We're going to have national polls, and some initial national polls show that Donald Trump has closed the race. But in the competitive Senate and House races, a lot of the polling is wrapping up. They're not going to poll right up until Election Day because it's too late to make strategic uh, decisions or to change your ads. Those ads are, or ad buys are already in place. The ads are produced. And so they're not polling because it's almost a waste of money. And so it's it's a it's almost a fitting end that we have this volatility here in the last few days. And speaking of voting, there's a lot of early voting, and there is one line of thought that says that results are already somewhat cooked. Um, agree or disagree? I I hesitate in drawing too many conclusions about early voting because. Uh, we don't know. We often don't know if these are new voters, or if these, or if the Democratic Party are just, if they're getting better at getting previous election day voters to vote early. Uh, now, it can have an impact if those votes are in the bank and they can't be changed, and, and some news happens, uh, you know, like a Director Comey's letter. But uh, I, I guess I hesitate. I, you know, we're we're so close to the election that I think it's okay to wait to wait for the results and rely on the the previous data that we have. And, and one thing I, I didn't mention about Comey, I'm not sure that this was a a game changer. Are there Hillary Clinton supporters who suddenly say that's it? I, I'm going for Trump. I doubt there's a lot of those. But if it causes the Republican Party to unify. Mm-hmm maybe be more energized, that can make the race closer, and that helps down-ballot candidates. Now, Lindsey McPherson, uh, Paul Ryan marked the first anniversary of his speakership uh, this past weekend, um, and uh, in a public show of support the following Tuesday, uh, announced that he had voted early for one Donald Trump. Uh, You've written about the hurdles that he faces keeping the most conservative members of his caucus happy. What are they? Uh, Ryan struggled throughout the year um, to keep the conservatives, particularly the House Freedom Caucus, happy over government spending, issues like they want to impeach the IRS commissioner and things they wanted to do. And he's faced some extra trouble here in the stretch of the election as he has distanced himself from Donald Trump, even though he did vote for him. He had announced three weeks ago after that video of Trump talking about sexually assaulting women, he said he would not defend or campaign with Donald Trump. And that upset a lot of his members who thought he was basically reneging his support. Ultimately, Ryan, you know, continued to endorse Trump. That angered some conservatives and even, you know, some middle ground members that wouldn't fall in the typical fray of opposing Ryan. So that's all created a little speculation as to what happens in terms of him running for another term as speaker. The path to another term as speaker begins in the post-election lame duck session, and ultimately Ryan, or whoever wants it, needs 218 votes. Uh, what's the possibility that the deliberations get delayed, get pushed back, or there's other shenanigans to deny Ryan the speakership? Well, there are actually two parts to the speaker's election. The first is typically the week after um, the first week of the lame duck session. So this week, that's the week after the elections. The conference will hold a secret closed ballot vote um, to elect their party leaders, including the speaker. And that is actually only a simple majority vote. At this point in time, no one has announced that they intend to challenge Ryan. Um, If anyone were to, 
you know, come out after the election most likely and say they're going to challenge Ryan, they wouldn't have a lot of time to gather support. And Ryan said on Tuesday that he feels pretty confident in where his members are. So the simple majority vote shouldn't be much of a hurdle. Like you said, the bigger hurdle is getting to 218, and that's on a House floor vote in January, um, on the first day of the new Congress. And that's after the lame duck session has played out, after he'll have had to negotiate a year in spending bill that's potentially going to anger a lot of conservatives. And that's, yeah, it's a little dicey and definitely um, depends on how many Republican uh, Republicans win re-election and how big their majority is, too. Yeah, so his fate in some ways rests uh, on the election results. How much has Ryan been campaigning for Republican House candidates? Oh, he's been out on the trail fairly constantly, minus, you know, some stints back home in Wisconsin. I guess he was out trick-or-treating last night with his kids. Um, But Tuesday alone, he was heading right back out on the trail and was supposed to hit Indiana, Michigan, and New York all in one day. He's got a lot of campaign stops scheduled in this final week, and I don't think he's going to be back home till Election Day. Yes, this was always one of the uh, misgivings he had about being speaker, the time he would spend on the road, away from the family, raising money for these candidates. Yeah, and I think that was one of the concerns, right, following Speaker Boehner, because how much money Boehner had raised for for members and how much time he spent. And, but I, th- I don't think we're going to look back at this election and, well, some people are going to blame Paul Ryan because they want to blame Paul Ryan for everything. But, you know, I think he has been active and he has raised uh, a considerable amount of money, you know, to, to do his part to, to help the cause. Ryan's actually raised more money than Boehner consistently, um, according to the, you know, the fundraising records that he's put out. They've beat Boehner um, in comparable time frames. And he's, like you said, he's been out there. And a lot of the money he raised up until this final month was, you know, over the phone. He's actually done a good job cultivating that. I think if Nathan's prediction that it's 8 to 15 seats that Republicans lose is correct, that no one will be faulting Paul Ryan. In fact, they'll be praising him for saving the Republicans for a big loss. Damage control, perhaps. Roll call, House leadership reporter Lindsey McPherson, elections editor Nathan Gonzalez on the battle for control of the House of Representatives heading into Election Day and looking ahead to the 115th Congress. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Thanks for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can find all of our podcasts at rollcall.com forward slash podcasts.